Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. And uh, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about today. Let's start with the signing that happened last Monday, right as we were getting off from recording. We recorded right away for the deadline, and this broke right as we uh, stopped. Eric Stahl signed a two-year extension with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, it carries an annual value of $3.25 million through 2020 and 2021. What are your thoughts on this? I'm really surprised they got him to take a pay cut. I am too. I think he liked Minnesota. I mean, he it didn't sound like he wanted to waive his no-trade clause for many teams uh, this this year. Uh, I was kind of surprised they didn't deal him at the deadline, but... Yeah, I was surprised, because I would think you could have got a decent amount for him. He seems like a guy with a really good reputation, and he's actually good at hockey. Yeah, for sure. I think they could have uh, definitely got a lot for him, but yeah, it uh, reported pretty much as soon as he wasn't traded, they signed an extension, so... Yeah, I don't. I, I don't mind it. Yeah, it's, it's it's good. Again, good that they didn't overpay. He's getting out there in age. I think he's what thirty five. He's thirty four right now. Thirty four. So like, yeah, if he keeps if he falls off a little bit, three point two five is still fine value. He was one of the best free agent signings I think we've ever seen. Obviously, up until Tavares, but like, especially of his age. Yeah, and like bang for your buck. Like, oh yeah, it was what three. Three and a half for three years or something like yeah. that. And he scored what did he score forty goals. He had forty year? last year. Yeah, like yeah. that was that was one of the best free agent signings I think we've seen in a long time. Yeah, didn't everyone think he was washed after? Yeah, because like he, he, he went to the Rangers and then people were like, "Man, this guy's done. He didn't do anything." And then he signed a, I think it was a three year deal with uh, Minnesota, and yeah. that that ended up real well for them. So yeah, as you said, I think it's good that they got him to take a pay cut. Yeah, you could have got kind of silly with it since he has been so good and he's thirty four years old, but. They got him to take a pay cut. The, this could go badly because, like we always say, any contract with people in their mid to late 30s could go badly on turn on a dime. But Yeah, for, the the term is low too, which helps that, right? So, like, even if that if you know, he somehow falls off a cliff next year, you're only eating one, one year of that at three mil. If you really need the cap space, you could move that to, like, a team like Ottawa or someone like that who'd be willing to take that on. So Yeah, so it's not a bad deal. No, not at all. Good for him if he likes it there. Exactly. Uh, then we got another signing, uh, Jakob Silverberg signed in Anaheim, five years, annual value of $5.25 million. Thoughts on this? Silverberg's a fine player, like a second-line forward or whatever, but this seems like the type of deal that it's like a killing you softly kind of deal. Like, it kicks in when he's 29 or whatever. If he takes a step back, this has, like... The thing with the Dustin Brown contract, he was never like a horrific player, but just paying a th- third liner five million bucks kind of kills you. And I think Silverberg's one step back away from being that third liner now making five million dollars. Yeah, I think the the AAV came up a little bit because uh, it has no signing bonuses on it. Oh, really? Yes, which is in, in extremely rare for a any contract in 2019. Even, most contracts even have at least a little bit of a signing bonus. Wow. This has absolutely nothing. That's really weird. Yeah, so I think that's why the AAV probably went up a little bit. Anaheim's hoping to maybe save some actual dollars come a lockout versus just eating it on the cap a little bit. I don't agree with that necessarily, but that's, you know, with a budget-constraint team. Anaheim is always a budget team, right? Like, they're yeah. always one of those low-key teams. That yeah, they, you, I'm pretty says. sure it's been reportable for a while that they do have some kind of internal budget. Um, I mean, some years they still spend close to the cap. They're really close this year. Yeah, just with a team like this that, you know, they've been to a couple Western Conference Finals in the past few years. I mean, 
It's fair enough, I guess. But yeah. yeah, they have been generally reported as a budget team. Yeah, I've seen that too. I never really know how much to believe those reports, but yeah, and I mean, even like a budget team, it might that budget might just be like two, three million away from the cap ceiling. Yeah. Like it might not be. Also, the budget could be on ice, off ice stuff too. Yeah, I mean, like... not as much training staff or scouting staff. I do think they have one of the smallest scouting. Groups. They're down there with Ottawa. That's yeah. the Colin Cudmore charts. Yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah. Yeah, so I that that's a very good point. I think um, you know the budget doesn't always have to be right on the cap, yeah. and you can save money elsewhere. Yeah, and the other thing that would scare me with Silverberg, this is going to sound weird to say because he's a he's he was probably the worst coach in the league up until the point he got fired. But the one thing Randy Carlyle did actually do well was he got the most out of Ryan Kessler, Jacob Silverberg, and Andrew Cogliano playing together. So I'd be interested to see, like, Silverberg played his best hockey there, so I would be worried that his numbers tank without Carlisle, if, as sad as that sounds to say. Yeah, I don't know. I, I saw, I think it was Sean Tierney who posts the charts every day about, you know, teams, uh, you know, Corsi per game and X goals and stuff, and Anaheim has gone steadily up since uh, Carlisle's been <laughs> fired. So, me. I mean, it also wouldn't shock me if Silverberg gets better. Yeah, uh, slightly. It does, I'm not saying he's going to turn into some god first liner or something like mm. that, but I mean, I think it could definitely go either way. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, like I, yeah, I don't have a ton of faith in that opinion, just because saying Randy Carlyle was like the key to it, kind of. <laughs> yeah, putting your it faith, just doesn't feel right coming out of my mouth. Putting but. your faith in Randy Carlyle seems uh, old. But, yeah. Um, speaking of Randy Carlyle, coaches that got fired. Let's move on to some Ottawa news here. Guy Boucher got fired this week after it was after a loss to the Edmonton Oilers, and uh, it came as a, a pretty big surprise to everyone. Uh, mainly because just two days earlier, and even that morning, there was reports out Pierre Dorian saying that they would wait till the end of the season to make a coaching decision. Yeah, because that was the screen grab on Twitter. It was some guy tweeted back to back a quote of Dorian saying they're waiting till the end of the season, and then his next tweet was yeah that they fired him. Um, so this that leads me to believe that it probably was Melnick, and that's what a lot of people said on Twitter. I was a little surprised by the pushback that I got, and that it was actually a hot take to suggest that a guy who's bad at his job being fired maybe isn't the worst thing. Um, there were a lot of takes that day. Uh, it, it it's kind of a shame we didn't record sooner than that because I probably could have talked about that for a full hour by myself. However, maybe people don't want to hear about that anyways. Um, for me, the, the way I look at it is uh, it, it does definitely underlie, uh, give an underlying problem. However, the outcome I don't really care about. I don't think Mark Crawford's any better, and that's why I think the excuse that they gave was pretty poor. What was the excuse? Uh, Dorian pretty much said that they're icing a winning team, which they are. Li- they literally are not icing a winning team. There they're was, icing an AHL team. There was a tweet out there that said they had the 31st <laughs> first line, the 31st second line, the 31st ranked first pairing, and the 31st ranked second pairing. And um, that that's by daily face-off standards. So, of course, it goes model. Yeah. And, like, that, that's pretty much all you need to know. And so, yeah, the reason was they just, uh, they, they didn't like the, the, the tendencies that were going on. So the big thing I think that he got fired from, um, the night before in Edmonton, Ottawa played a pretty good game. They actually did outplay Edmonton. They didn't get some bounces. Uh, Edmonton scores an empty netter to make it 4-2. Uh, it, it looks like it's offside. It, it might not be. Uh, Boucher takes a look at it, decides not to challenge. I had a big issue with this that night. I was real mad about that. Because even if you th- you're you pretty sure that it's not offside, you're down two goals with 26 seconds left. Challenge that. 
Yeah. Because very least, you're now on a PK two down two with 26 seconds left. Best case scenario, it gets overturned and you're only down one with 26 seconds left. I know points don't matter to this team, but it's just little things like that where, you know, I don't know if he just got comfortable in his job, but, like, you need to be trying to go for points even as a head coach like that. Yeah, like, that's always the thing people say about you can't tank because everyone in hockey's trying to win, right? Yeah, like trying if, to win at if, all if, times. Yes, if you if they actually had their first round pick, I think I'd be much more okay with it. Um, yeah. Like, but when you like when you have nothing to lose, anyways, challenge that. And so what I'm assuming happened was Melnick got mad about that, pretty much told Dorian he wants him fired because there has been rumors when Brian Murray had the team, and God bless him, he did such a good job behind the scenes to just shut Melnick up and tell tell him to f off so many times. Um. Dorian has absolutely no backbone. He will do whatever Melnick says. He's a lackey for him, and he fired Boucher. Again, the outcome I really don't care about. I do hope they do a legitimate big search for guys this summer. Who do you want to see? Because I always want, like, those always confuse me on Twitter, because I never know who to hope for as a coach or whatever. Who do you want to take over? There's a couple names that got thrown out there. Uh, I think it's, it's Troy Mann, who's in Belleville right now with the Belleville Senators. Could be okay to see him get a look. Someone like, uh, I know Sheldon Keith's name's been thrown around. He would not join just for money reasons, I'm going to assume. I, I would like, think I the would, Leafs could outbid. I would legitimately think he probably could make more, and maybe is making more as the Marlies coach than he would as the Senators head coach, as bad as that sounds. Yeah, and that would be the thing if he's not already. The Leafs like would be crazy not to outbid Ottawa. He's clearly... Exactly, and I think... Uh, uh, Jacques Martin is a, a name that got brought up a lot. I'm not sure I agree with that. Uh, he's currently the coach in Pittsburgh. and uh, if, Martin? Yeah, he's the assistant coach in Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. I thought you meant the real like, head coach. No, no, no. He's the assistant coach in Pittsburgh controlling the defense of Pittsburgh, also known as the worst part of Pittsburgh. Yep. Again, that's probably not all his fault. It's not like he has great tools to work with. At the same time, it's just he already head coached for Ottawa. I don't see the point in bringing a guy back from your glory days or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it was from 01 to 04, so obviously there's not great memories from there. But the team itself was good. I just don't know if I agree with bringing a coach like that back who's already, I think, 66 years old. The Carlisle special. Exactly. I I don't know. I There's definitely... I want to just see them go... I want them to look at Europe, look at the AHL. I would probably rather a young guy who can relate to some of the... This is going to be a young team next year. I'd rather a young guy who can relate to them. However... If the coach is good, that's all I care about. I want someone who's got good systems, had makes good decisions, and understands that this is going to be some growing pains. Yeah. Well, that was the one quote Dorian said about uh, Boucher not being able to rest their stars, and I thought that was the best look I've seen from the Senators organization. Or, why did I say rest their stars? Uh, scratch the young players, I mean. Yeah, and that's a little BS, too, because Mark Crawford's first game, he had the exact same lineup they had in Edmonton, I believe, as well. Oh, did he? I'm pretty sure Christian Molanen was still scratched. Oh, okay. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure. Okay. Dorian did say that, but that's why it's just BS. Like, you know, like, I was, and I was defending, I didn't want to defend Dorian, but I still don't understand why it was such a hot take to suggest a guy who's bad at his job being fired isn't that bad of a thing. I mean... What it was the one guy from Tim? I think it was Sid from Tim and Sid was saying that Melnick has no respect for his employees or something like that. I was like, "What do you mean? Like, the guy's been bad at his job for a year and a half now." Yeah, I have. 
I've been working on like a coaching writing thing, and I have Guy Boucher as a negative impact coach. From the, there can't be too many people that are better or worse than him, yeah. right? Carlisle. Well, the thing is, so this works off the thing I'm making works off their first year. So that was Guy Boucher's quote unquote best year, and I still have him as a clear negative. So yeah, I mean, like that was that was the glory days, the first year they made the conference final. Yeah, because they played a system that no one really figured out until the second year, or when they could finally start a game plan. Yeah, and by that time it was just high end talent that kind of took over. Yeah, I don't know. I again, I don't like the the underlying reasons for it. Um, but come the end of the year, as long as they're not naming Mark Crawford, because Mark Crawford's no better at all. I mean, there's some absolute horror stories about him as a coach. Oh, was he the guy with the spit and chicklets? Yeah. He, yeah. I can't remember who came on. Brett Sopel. Yes, and he came on pretty much said he'd choke you, kick you, punch you, or, like, hit you, and then, like, tell you you're nothing. You're, you know, like, call you all kinds of names. and But he'd still play him. Let's and, see if we can find the quote. Yeah. And this was an incredibly old uh, Mark Crawford. Maybe he's changed, but still, that being out there doesn't make me feel great. <laughs> So Mark Crawford is our coach at this is Brent Sopel. Mark Crawford is our coach at this time. He pulls me in and he says, Soaps, we're sending you down. You're a pussy. You don't fight. You don't hit. You don't skate. You don't shoot. You're a pussy. You do nothing out there, out here. So we're sending you to the minors. Bad. Yeah, it's not a great look. Not at all. Um, is it true that he would go up and down the bench kicking guys? He kicked me. He choked me. He grabbed me. He grabbed the back of my jersey. He pulled me back. Yeah, he attacked guys personally. That's not a great look. Not at all, and uh, especially not with a young team either. I mean, not not with anyone, but especially, I don't, yeah, he just should not be the next head coach is pretty much what I'm getting at. That's a terrible look. Um, I, I suggest, I saw some people, not Sens fans at all, they wanted uh, them to hire Randy Carlisle, and I would be... <laughs> <laughs> I would hate that at the same time. I guess it'd be a smart way to help you tank for a year. Or that two. would be a very funny stealth thing. Um, but yeah, like I, I, that would be some painful hockey to watch because this team is already horrible, and adding in one of the worst possession coaches out there just would make it ten times worse. Oh god, yeah. Um, Imagine what they would have been like if they had Carlisle. Like Anaheim was ju- almost as bad as Ottawa possession wise with tons of good players. Imagine what they would have been like without. Or if they flip coaches, yeah, I, yeah, I. It's tough. I, I don't know what to say. Like it, it's just, it's not Boucher's fault this year. I don't think it's really his fault that the team sucks. Uh, I think this is more on on a management perspective. Yeah, like I'm not entirely sure what you should do with this roster. No, but saying that he obviously had his flaws. He. Hated giving young guys big positions. I was shocked he even gave Kachuk and White big roles. But even then, Kachuk was clearly one of Ottawa's best defensive forwards, which, I mean, isn't saying a ton, but he was. And he never got late-game minutes. It was always guys like Payarvi and and Smith and guys who were... And Pyatt, when he played, Pyatt would be out in the last minute of a game all the time. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, the Pyatt thing reminded me... uh... When talking about the Leafs' defense, I'm pretty sure it was Jeffler said, like, it's not that the Leafs' defense is bad. It's that in their highest leverage situations, when they're, like, defending a lead and whatnot, they play their worst defenders. And Payat getting ice time, like, important ice time reminded me a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, it started at the beginning of the year, and last year you get, like, 14 minutes. People were 15 minutes even. People were like, what on earth is going on? Yeah. And then near his, and near the end of his time here, when uh, I guess Boucher probably got told that he's got to stop playing him as much, 
He'd, he'd only play four events a game, but two of those would be in the last three minutes. Yeah. It's like, what do you... It'd be when they're down a goal. It's not even like they'd be holding the lead. It'd be a minute left, Piat or three on three, Piat, get out there. It's like, what? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah, it's... I don't know. He had... Uh, Guy Boucher had a lot of flaws. He seemed like a really good guy. I mean, he seemed like a really nice guy from all of his interviews. And anyone who talked to him seen, said he was a good guy. So, you know, and you never like seeing good guys get fired, but... When you're not good at your job, you're not good at your job. He's just he was not the right guy for the team going forward. Yeah, like it doesn't have to be a character assassination. He just wasn't. He just right wasn't for a great team. coach. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, um, yeah, it's it's probably not good in terms of the underlying reasons of why he got fired. But he was he was done after this year. I mean, he, his vacation just comes a month early. Oh yeah, his contract was up. Anyways. Yeah, him and Mark Crawford both up. They probably weren't getting returned this year. Yeah, I I don't know. I I, th- I found it very odd that uh, so many people came rushing into the defense of Guy Boucher, Sens fans and nonsense fans, after people had been dunking on him for his lineup decisions for a year, two years now, pretty much. Yeah, because he was always my classic example of, like, if you think Babcock's bad, like, just take a look around. Yeah, and it was weird because, like, I, I get people just want to dunk on the Sens for no no matter what now, right? But, like... How are you, like, yes, Melnick sucks. Melnick's horrible. How are you blaming him for getting rid of a bad coach? You, you know, like, oh, Guy Boucher never complained about the lineup he got. He had all the loyalty in the world. That doesn't mean he's good. Yeah, like, I could be loyalty. Yeah, I could <laughs> shut up and not say a word. It <laughs> yeah. doesn't mean I should just be able to go out and tank an NHL team. Like, yeah. like, I mean, it's not all him at all, by any means, but he did not help it either. And I, I was just, I don't know, I was pretty surprised to see people rush into his defense like that. Yep. But, yeah. yeah. I agree. I don't know. There's not much more I have to say on that, I don't think. Um, no. Like I said, I'm sure he's a good person, so hopefully find success elsewhere or whatever, but... Yeah. I kind of hope that they, they, they ask if they can interview Dallas Eakins. Um, Dallas Eakins. Dan Biles was another one I'd like them to take a run at. Yeah. I, I mean, there's, there's some options out there that are definitely okay. Eakins and uh, Sheldon Keefe would probably be my top two. Yeah, mine too. I don't know if they can. I Eakins is what? He's Anaheim's farm, right? Yeah. So it's not like they're going to get completely outbid by Anaheim. It just depends if Eakins wants to come here would be the big thing. And I don't, I'm not sure he would given that his last team was a bad Edmonton Oilers team. But we'll see. Yeah. Um, I... Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I don't know what he would think. Maybe he'd have some PTSD from the yeah. Oilers days. Like, would Todd McClellan be an option? Yeah, I can see that. Maybe. I don't think he's the worst coach in the world. Yeah. Yeah, but, so I like I said, the coaching thing I'm working on, I have Bilesma as the only coach to ever come close to Babcock's impact. Which is crazy. Yeah, and he's only an assistant in Detroit, so he's someone I'd really like to see them make a run at, but... I don't know. Coaches are always so hard to evaluate anyways. You can make something that seems like a good signing and have it go terribly. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and it, it all depends. It really does depend on roster structure and stuff like that. Uh, no team is the same, and every coach fits a different team. As, as weird as that sounds, but, yeah. it, I mean, it is true. Uh, well, yeah, like I said, look at Babcock. Uh, Babcock was uh, the coach of the year, I would argue, the year the least tanked. Yeah. By, and, like, a long shot. And I can pick, you know, and I still think he's a fine coach, but I can pick tons of things out that his problem is when he's loaded with high-end talent. Yeah. He just, you know, like he makes the most out of uh, bad rosters, but he doesn't always make what he could out of really good rosters either. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was way easier to criticize him. Or it's way easier to criticize him now that he has good players back than, than it was when the year he didn't have good players, which is not how it should work. But Yeah, exactly. Um, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think overall there's a ton of options. Uh 
I don't I don't need to go through all of them. It'll yeah, be interesting fair. to see what they do. Uh, this year, you know, now they're just trying to win a couple more games. I think I, I tweeted a poll out. I'm not sure if I asked you your opinion. So they, they had 19 games left when I tweeted it. I said, how many do you think they're going to win? 0 to 3, 4 to 6, 7 to 9, or 10 plus? 4 to 6. I said 0 to 3. <laughs> They've <laughs> already, got one already, don't it, they? Yes, they, they do have one. I think since that game, they're, they're either, I think they're 1 and 2. They beat Florida the other night. And uh, now they got the Islanders, uh, I think, in back-to-back games, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, winning only three games or less would be very hard in 19, but I said if there's one team that's going to do it, it's the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, anyone who's listening to us, go look at their daily face-off page. It's horrific. It's so bad. I mean, like when Anthony Duclair is by far the bright spot on your forward lines in terms of what you're looking to, like... Like relative to the position you're playing? Yeah, yeah. like, God, that's sad. And I mean, no, no offense to Anthony Duclair, but like, he just should not be the one guy who sticks out in the entire lineup for playing where he should be. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, I don't know. He he's looked really. I did a piece on him for last run on hockey, um, and, and he's looked really good in the first couple games that he's been in. He's up to two goals now, and he's been one of their better players both ends of the ice. It's just he needs to find some consistency. Has he been playing power play? Ah, uh, yep, I mean, yeah. He scored his one goal on the power play. I can't. I, he scored against Tampa. I don't know if that was on the power play or not. I haven't. I didn't watch any of the games this weekend. I decided that uh, spending <laughs> time with my girlfriend was more fun than watching them get absolutely demolished by the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, um, mm. I, I, I feel <laughs> I feel like I made a pretty good bet. I went to Boston Pizza. I'll take Boston Pizza. What'd you get? I got their spicy chicken burger. Ooh, I don't remember what it was called, but it had like jalapenos on it and buffalo sauce. It was really good. That sounds good. I yeah. love Boston Pizza. Yeah, it's very good. Um, Did you see uh, from Dom Lucision's model? <laughs> they had a three percent worse chance of beating Tampa than Tampa just did of winning the cup <laughs> when they played against them. And t- the Tampa versus Ottawa game was uh, one of the highest we've ever seen in terms of probability. Yeah. So I think Dom's model had them at eighty percent, eighty-one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the betting line for Tampa was minus six hundred and fifty, <laughs> which was an eighty-five percent chance of winning. <laughs> I placed a two dollar bet on Ottawa just in case. I think they were at plus four fifty or something like that. That's so funny. I mean, it didn't end up paying off, but I figured at, at that price he may as well. Uh, yeah, yeah it, this team is bad. It's gonna. I think watching their betting line is gonna be the most fun part about watching this team this year. Oh, without question. Uh, yeah. Uh, that being said, let's move on to another piece. John Tavares's return. <laughs> So you watched that game, correct? Yeah. I watched the back half. What an absolute wild game. I uh, thought that was sweet. Shout out to the Islanders fans for yeah. making that absolutely insane. I really hope those two teams play in a playoff series because oh God, that would be the best. Three games in, or four games probably, I guess, in Long, uh, Long Island would be amazing. It would have to be four because there's no way Toronto's uh, supplanting Tampa. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess maybe if uh, the Islanders fall down. Uh, to the second spot or something, and they somehow met in the conference finals. Which but, still should not surprise anyone. <laughs> yeah, but um, that would be absolutely insane. Uh, I think the, the game itself was uh, not fun. I mean, no. I, I wanted to see Tavares uh, go in and light the uh, Islanders up. Uh, oh, I wanted to see like a 4-3 game. Didn't even care who wins, but I wanted Tavares to have like three points or whatever. Yeah, I mean, usually I would not be cheering for the Leafs to do anything good at all, but... 
So there was a Dear John video that came out. Oh, if God, you're listening yeah. to a hockey podcast, I'd imagine you probably listened to or watched the video. And it was like, I don't know, seven Islander fans making probably the worst video I've ever watched in my entire life. Uh, pretty much calling Tavares a, a traitor. And, a snake. Yeah, a snake. Boy. And thanking God that he's gone so his, his their kids don't have to grow up and like him or something <laughs> like that. I was like, oh my word. So th- that really pushed me over the edge for uh, wanting to see the uh, John Tavares just absolutely light up the Islanders. Um, he didn't, his line played good. Uh, I thought he was him. I think it was Hyman and I forget who, Kapanen maybe was on his line. That line looked really good. And then the other three just kind of looked flat and the defense just kind of looked flat as well. And more importantly, Sparks. Uh, yeah. I mean, he got hung out to dry. Th- yeah, he definitely four of the goals, But it, yeah, the, the Sparks debate is interesting. We can get into a second, but yeah, yeah the, the Tafaris uh, return game. The, the atmosphere was absolutely wild. I mean, there was chance throughout the whole third period, and I didn't see the first. I'd imagine most of the first. Well, they booed him during they his They booed tribute. him the second he stepped on the ice. Yeah, which is, anytime he even got touched or lost a face-off, they were going nuts, screaming. Like, it was, I mean, like... The, it was fun to, like, It looked like, if, if that's the atmosphere they give for a playoff game, I will definitely be watching them in the playoffs. I was thinking it would be worse in the playoffs. Oh, if they play the least, for sure. I just yeah. mean against any team, I think. Uh, would be fun to watch. Uh, one thing I will say, uh, do you, uh, here, how would, do you have anything to say about the game itself or the return? Uh, not really. No? Um, it was it was a rough. I like the Leafs more than you, obviously, so I thought it was a little rougher to watch, but I thought the atmosphere itself was pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, what I'm doing right now is looking up the NHL attendance for 2018-2019. Go by ESPN. Who do you think is the last place attendance in the I, entire I league? I know the answer to this question it's already. It's the New York Islanders with just 12,000 freaking people coming in. And part of this isn't fair uh, because they do have a small building when they play in Nassau Coliseum. I'm pretty sure it only fits like 14K or something like that, 14.5 yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's very small. Because it's not technically supposed to be for hockey, right? Nassau is. The Barsley Center isn't. Oh. That's, their new, that's their other one that you can't see in every place. Oh, that one's okay. for basketball and it can fit, but you can't see everywhere. Because there's, like, angles and stuff. So part of it is that, and then part of it is that you can only fit 14,000. But, I mean, 31st in the league in attendance overall. Uh, I don't think they're much better by percentage-wise either. either. Uh, Nope, they're 28th by percentage-wise. Florida, Ottawa, and Carolina are the only three teams beside them. Two markets you know are not the best for hockey, and... A market that the owner is going to kill himself yeah. out of. like, And a market that the fans are literally putting up signs to try to get the owner kicked out. Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I don't, I feel bad for dunking on uh, 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 capacity and stuff, or uh, attendance, especially because, you know, Ottawa's never, I mean, Ottawa's usually even, but it just feels mean sometimes. Well, but... the thing I hate most about it is like, so I'm a Leafs fan, you're a Sens fan, so technically I could quote-unquote, make fun of you for the attendance. But, like, that has nothing to do with us. No, exactly. Like, we can't yeah. change no, that. No, it's not, it's not every fan at all. But it's just, like, yeah. and, I mean, I'm assuming most of the passionate fans that went to that are probably going to a lot of the games anyways. Yeah. But it's, like, uh, you know, you put that is by far the most crazy atmosphere you will ever see for a regular season NHL game, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You will never see anything as crazy as that. That was like yeah for game, game, game seven or yeah. whatever of the regular season, and it was nuts. That was their Stanley Cup. It really was, and th- th- he's got to come back too. I didn't realize they play another game in uh, Long Island this year. At oh, least, at least go back in April to play them uh, right near the end of the reg- regular season. That's funny. Yeah, I did not realize that. So that that'll be fun. But come on, like. 
you know, I, I think they're, what I, what I say, 12,243, the lowest in the entire league per game, 77.4% full, uh, that's fourth lowest in the league. I'm sorry, you just need to be, and then this is, and they're using their Nassau Coliseum numbers too. So when they're in Barsley's, it's even oh, worse it's than worse 77%. Than yeah, that's tough. Like, show up for the rest of the games. Uh, I'm surprised by that, actually. Like, I've heard it, so I obviously knew this was a fact, but it surprised me. Like, if you told me before I knew the answer, I would not have guessed that. No, me either. And, I mean, it's been, you know, they never have, I mean, that's part of it. They never, like, blow anyone away with attendance, I don't think. But that's fine. You don't need to do, not every team needs to be 106% full like the Blackhawks are. Like, or, you know, 102 like the Leafs are and Winnipeg is. like San Jose is 16th on this list, and they've just been a perfectly well-run, good organization. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, 98% full on average, and, like, you, can, you can't tell that it's the 2% are missing or anything like that because the atmosphere is still good. Like, I mean, 25 of the teams are above 90%, and the Hurricanes, Sens, Florida, and Islanders are in the 70s. And then There's Ari- such an yeah. aggressive drop-off at the bottom there. Arizona's at 80, St. Louis is at 89.7, so they're almost at 90% themselves. I like, didn't know it tailed off so aggressively. There. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the bottom there, and I mean, Florida and Carolina have been bad for a long time. Uh, the Islanders, I don't like. I guess maybe they didn't think they are going to be great this year. They weren't good last year either. I guess they haven't been real great for a little bit. Uh, you know, Arizona's been horrible for a long time. And Ottawa has been bad last year, and again the, the you know Melnick. Yeah. Uh, so you know it makes sense why uh, teams down at the bottom there uh, are lower on attendance. But yeah, hopefully, come closer to playoffs, they can start filling that building. And I I one hundred percent believe they'll fill it for playoffs. And the first round's going to be in Nassau Coliseum. Apparently, if they go on, it'll be in Barclays after that. But okay. which kind of sucks, but. Uh, you know, the, the nice thing about NASA is, yes, it's small, but that small makes it so much louder, too. Yeah, it, it can be know, cool like that. Yeah, like 14,500 people just screaming all day and, or, you know, screaming all game. You know, it, it makes it real loud. And uh, I'm excited for that. I have a question you might not know the answer to. The videos on Tavera's day that came out, there was like a, it looked like there was like a big tailgate. Is that a thing that happens for NHL games? Um... Like, his tailgating Not for an NHL all NHL games, it was but definitely like th- for that game. And it was on, like, a Thursday. Yeah, well, they were just saying. drinking since, like, noon. Like, yeah. it was, like, a holiday for them. Yeah, I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. I have no idea how you people got to do this or whatever, if this is a normal thing, but it looks sweet. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in, like, Nashville, it kind of is a thing. But That's on, awesome. like, weekends anyways. Yeah. Or, you know, like, before Stanley Cup games Well, or on weekends, it wouldn't shock me. No, but, <laughs> yeah, it was, like, I think it was... It was a Thursday night that yeah. they just, yeah, and there was, like, pictures. there At, like, 4 p.m., there was people just out, some, out front of the stadium running over a Tavares jersey yeah. while they were drinking. It Burning like, it, and you just see, like, <laughs> 20 empties in the background. <laughs> it was like, okay, like, hey, that that yeah. sounds pretty sweet to me. I'd love to do that. Yeah, you do you. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a fun game as a neutral person who didn't really care about the outcome to watch uh, in terms of just the atmosphere. The game itself was not close. The Islanders won 6-1. And it's too bad. Yeah, it, it could was... have been something too. You know, the Leafs had tied it, but it got waved off for offside, and then the Islanders scored. I think three and three minutes or something like that. Yeah. So uh, the Garrett Sparks debate. Let's touch on that real quick. What are your thoughts on Garrett Sparks as a Leafs fan? I think I genuinely don't understand why he's such a controversial topic. Like before he had started in New York, because he 
got lit up in New York. Like his numbers were just the most pedestrian thing in the world. And your backup having pedestrian numbers is like the thing that no one should ever talk about in the season. Yeah, I mean, so my thing, yeah, that that's kind of what I was surprised because I obviously I'm not just checking periodically on how the Leafs' backup numbers are. When Corsica was up, Garrett Sparks was literally, like, dead even for goal saved above average yeah. in terms of, like, even backups. Well, he was a classic example of... So, goal saved above average gets trained on the past, I think it's 10 years worth of data. So, if shooting percentages spike like it has this year, quote-unquote average will actually be above average. So, if you readjust for that and don't include the game against the Islanders, because I ran this back when Corsica was up, over a 1,000 shots, Garrett Sparks was worth, like negative three goals above average, which is just, like, the most fine, like, forgettable backup in the world. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, he's got a 902 save percentage and a 309 goals against average. In a year that shooting or goals are up, that's Way not up. horrible. Like, Yeah, like, it's just the most I think it's one of those things thing where people can, It's kind of like confirmation bias, I think. Yeah, oh, definitely. The, the people who really don't like Sparks are kind of the people who uh, wanted McElhaney to stay. And uh, McElhaney has been pretty good in uh, Carolina, so fair enough. But, I mean, it was absolutely the logical thing to keep Sparks. Oh, yeah, like, for sure. If you were arguing that they shouldn't have kept Sparks, you have no idea what you're talking about. None. Yeah. Absolutely none. And um, I will understand an argument that if you think Sparks' uh, value is never going to be higher than it was after an AHL MVP season, you maybe could have seen what you could get for a trade and go with someone like Calvin Pickard, who hasn't been good either. But Yeah, that was the other thing. The Right alternative to Sparks would be sell him high and then go with Pickard, but Pickard hasn't been good either. No. So and I mean, yeah. So it's it is weird that I, I saw a meme today. It was like uh, I don't know if you saw that Pete Davidson was at the uh, hockey game, and um, it was pretty. It was making out with I forget who someone twenty years older than him. That's all I knew. And uh, it was like Leafs fans, and then it was the person sitting beside him, just kind of sitting there, and it was like enjoying the best team they've seen in over a century. And then it was just the Leaf fan kissing, and then it was talking about their 800k backup and about whether he's good or not. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, it's just it's one of the weirdest things for me. I, I feel like the people who want him traded are very too reactionary. Oh yeah, and, and I mean the 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 problem with the argument that I have is. Um, so I was listening, I don't like the like name, I don't know. I was listening to the Steve Dangle podcast today, and their, their thing was that, um, you know, yeah, you know, he was. they pretty much said, yes, he was He was hung out to dry on all four goals, but that's your job. You need to save those. I was like, well, no, you can't say both of those things. You cannot say the team gave him absolutely no help because they were on a back-to-back, and then, but also you need to save those still because you really don't if you have no chance. <laughs> yeah, I have a little bit of sympathy because it was clearly out of, like, frustration. Yeah, for sure. And I'm not saying that they're, like, I'm not trying to call them out or anything yeah. because I've seen that take a lot. Oh, and yeah, and I'm just saying, like, you, know, like, you can't have it both ways where it's like, yeah, okay, he only plays on back-to-backs where the team is absolutely gassed and, you know, there's a bunch of injuries that game and stuff too. But at the same time, you know, it's your job to make saves. It's like, okay, well, he did because then the other point was, they go, okay, but what about that save? It's like, yeah, well, that's your job. It's like, okay, but then you can't get mad at him when he does his job, but then say when, you know, he lets in goals that even Frederick Anderson would have let in. Yeah. You go, whoa, what the heck? Well, right? like, like, Frederick Anderson's a $5 million. Like, he's a Vesna candidate, five, makes $5 million bucks. His job is to bail this team out. Sparks, as a backup who makes eight hundred grand's job, is to just not suck. 
Yeah, and he's... He ben, does not suck. No, I, I, I think it probably doesn't help that he doesn't look like a very controlled goalie. No, he looks flat. real weird. But at the same time, like, it's not like McElwain looked like that either. That's the funniest part. <laughs> like, he was flopping all over the ice. Also, we saw McElwain, who... I buy Corsica's numbers anyways, if I remember correctly, and I'm sorry if I don't, but he was, like, literally one of the worst goalies of the past ten years when the Leafs signed him on waivers. Yeah, and then he he was fine for the and Leafs. And then all of a sudden he was really good for the Leafs for over, like, 2,500 shots. So you see, he's, like, the most classic example of how wildly goaltender stats vary. And then after Garrett Sparks has faced, like, 700 shots in Toronto, people are like, yep. Not an NHL player. That's the thing. It's like he's played 14 games. It's like you just want to ditch this guy? Like, yeah. I mean, what upgrade are you getting here is the thing. Yeah. I. And I will agree that I think, you know, it was more unfortunate, I think, for Dubas. But I will agree with the thing that's saying that, quote-unquote, he didn't do a great job with their goaltending situation. Losing both guys to waivers for nothing was not when you knew teams needed goaltending. And then also having to give a pick up for Michael Hutchinson wasn't a good good deal at all. But at the same time, like, I don't know, like, I just, I have a hard time figuring out why people are so mad about such a little thing. Yeah, like, people, if anyone's calling Dubas out for that or whatever, like, if you want, we've always said if you want to look smart on the internet, just say a 28-year-old's going to get worse. (laughs) If you want to look really, really stupid on the internet, start making goalie predictions. Yeah, like, I mean, it's just... (sighs) Especially about backups. Like, if you want to... Like, back in the day, if you kept saying peak Henrik Lundqvist was going to be good, like, sure. But start saying backups who only face a couple hundred shots. Start trying to predict their performance, and I promise you will look like an idiot very, very fast. Yeah, like, it's just... And people were talking, I, I, like, I just, I saw more or heard more stuff, and it was like, well, you can't go into, like, Hutchinson's the backup in playoffs, right? I was like, Why? It's like, well, you can't go and if Sparks, if, if Anderson goes down, Sparks can't be the starter. It's like, Hutchinson can't either. Yeah, He's well, played, what, two NHL games this year? <laughs> like, Yeah, and he wasn't very good. If, I was like, if Anderson it. goes down, period, you're screwed. Yeah. It doesn't matter if Sparks or Hutchinson's playing, you're screwed either way. Yeah, like Anderson's probably been their best player this year. Oh, yeah, I saw, well, Evolving Wild had a thread today, and it was pretty much that... Um, if you swapped Anderson with Florida's goaltending situation, Toronto and Florida would literally be flipped in the standings. And, yeah. And that that took some heat because people said, well, yeah, shocker, if you get rid of their best player, they're going to be worse. And I do understand that, but at the same time, their point was more just, wow, like, yeah, Roger was... Anderson has been really, really good this year. He should probably be getting more love. Yeah, like, I agree with the general point that Anderson should be getting more love. The only problem I took was it, well, like, the Leafs play a super high pace game, so like the Le- the way the Leafs play is really high paced, which leverages having a better goalie and shooting talent. Their system is built around having a good goalie. They they make they yeah. know they have the they know what their strengths are and they play two said strengths. Yeah. yeah, they maximize the amount of chances. Both like they maximize four and are willing to accept that they'll give almost as many up for generating those chances. But they're willing to do that because they have shooting talent and a great goalie. And if you don't have one of those two things, you'd be a lot more hesitant to give up. Yeah, I think that was more of their point, if I'm being honest. Like, I just don't think they conveyed it in the best way possible. Yeah, I can see that. When I first read it, I was like, okay, yeah, that seems like a pretty obvious situation, like, statement. If you take away a good player from a team, they're going to be worse. But, yeah, no, like, and then, like, I don't know. I, I don't have much more to say about Garrett Sparks or the goaltending situation in general. 
Yeah. I think we just spent 12, 15 minutes on that. It's probably 12, 15 minutes too long. Yeah, like Sparks is fine. He's yeah. not the end. If he's the biggest problem your team have, you should has, you should really be celebrating cuz yeah, I would love if my right. backup goaltender was the only problem on my team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, really. Uh so that being said, let's go to uh an athletic article that most people have been talking about. It was the 2019 NHL poll. So they pulled I think about 198 NHL players. They asked uh, 12 different questions, and we'll, let's just run through them. Before we start, I just love this idea. I just love seeing, like... They, yeah, I mean, it's cool. Yeah, it's. I like it being anonymous, because then you get what the players actually think, as opposed to asking them in interviews, oh, and you just get pl- cliche yeah, city. for sure. Um, like, if you ask... Like, there's no way if you ask this, we'll get to this, the most fun city to visit on the road. like Or, like, the most overrated NHL yeah, player. Like, like, people didn't even want to answer that when they were anonymous, let alone yeah. if you're just like, hey, who's the most underrated or overrated player in the league? Like, yeah, like, in an interview with their name attached to it, no one's ever going to be like, yeah, P.K. Subban's overrated and we love going to Vegas <laughs> on the weekends. Yeah. Like, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, all right, so we'll start off who is the best all-around player. Uh Let's do who do you, we'll do who we have and then we'll say what the results were. Who do you have? I'd go Connor McDavid by a slimmer margin than I would have at the start of the year. I'm gonna go Connor McDavid too. Um, I'm assuming Crosby is Crosby's your two. Yep. Yeah. That, same here. Um, the player poll had Crosby at 48 percent, McDavid at 25, Bergeron at 11, Barkov at four, and Kucherov at four. Um, I don't know if I agree with the Kucherov one. In terms of all round, I just don't. Maybe he's better defensively than I thought. I just don't think he's like amazing he's defensively. Particularly, he's not special defensively. I think they got the top three right. If we all want to argue with the order, yeah. I mean, yeah. I would put McDavid one. Uh, I'd go McDavid one, Sid two, Bergeron. I do kind of understand like Sid being older. If you're talking all round, like including defensively, that's the word all. Enough. Yeah, because like Sid could actually win a Selkie this year, and like. You could construct a reasonable argument that he could win the Selkie this year, whereas McDavid is, like, he's obviously the best player on aggregate or whatever, but, like, he's still not good defensively. No, he's not. Yeah, he's not like he's going to shut you down completely. He's going to shut yeah. you down because he's got skill to keep you out of his own end. But... Yeah, yeah, exactly. He'll still outscore you. He yeah. just won't do uh, This is one I really disagree with. Game 7, Stanley Cup Final. Who do you want starting in goal? Who are you That's a go really with? good question on the, you referenced this earlier, Steve Dangle podcast. They said Braden Holpe. I like that as an answer, but I think I've probably got to go with John Gibson. Yeah, I yeah, I would probably go... I don't mind Holtby. If we're going to go in the whole playoff uh, you know, mindset or whatever, Holtby I would be fine. Gibson I'd be totally okay with too. Uh, the player poll had 28% carry price. I disagree with that. I totally disagree with that. I think he's still very overrated. I mean, he's been good this year. He just hasn't been like... The thing That's not good. I hated most about this poll was they have Marc Andre Fleury too, and recency bias is my favorite bias because I'm old enough to remember Marc Andre Fleury actively set spending Sidney Crosby's prime, costing him cups. Yeah, the the the, the thing was always Marc Andre Fleury is a playoff joker. Yeah, and like I mean, it's amazing what one run to the uh, Stanley Cup Finals will do for your reputation, right? Yeah, like because like they had garbage depth too. It wasn't just on Fleury, but like. Fleury was doing everything he possibly could have to cost Pete Crosby and Malkin Cups not too long ago. And Andre now... Vasilevsky's three. He's an interesting one. Um, his goals, I mean, part of that is playing, part of it is playing behind such a good team that his goal saved above average doesn't look awesome. But I think it's actually been better. I, it's I, been a lot better than I thought recently. Yeah, Corey, actually. he didn't start off the year well, according to Corsica, but I, I know, again, Sean Tierney posted a, a viz the other day, or yesterday, and he was saying that 
he's really made a run for even top couple for Vesna. Um, yeah, Quick and Holtby round out. I don't. I would not have Quick at all anywhere near this anymore. I don't think. No, I, uh, Quick's four on this. I'd probably put Anderson four. Yeah, I, I'm not. I don't have a full five list, but yeah, Holtby, Anderson, Gibson. I don't know, like Bobrovsky, maybe not oh, not this year, Bobrovsky. but like I mean, he also has the narrative that he sucks in the playoffs. I mean, it's not all his fault. He's played Pittsburgh twice, I think. But yeah, I'm very sympathetic to that. Yeah. Like, that would suck. You only play two series and they're against Pittsburgh. Who's the most underrated player in the NHL? This it, irritated me. It's not Alexander Barkov anymore. You can't be the most underrated player for three years straight that everyone says. You also can't be the most underrated player and come in fourth in best all-around player voting. <laughs> yeah. Like, the only reason that can be true is if you're actually just, like, better than Connor McDavid or something like that to be fourth and underrated. Yes. They do have two people on here that I would probably put as my top two. Uh, Braden Point and Mark Giordano, I think, are both. Maybe not Giordano. I think he's getting a lot of love this year. I think Point is too, though. Yeah, but I mean... I, I might only I be among nerds, though. That's true. I still don't think people really realize how good Point is. You think? Because I think I consensus mean, on Twitter is Point is... Mar- like Stats Twitter, yes. Yeah, like I think... If it, you ask people... if like, I guess if we asked our friends. Yes, like, Stamkos is the blank best player on Tampa. I think a lot of stats nerds would have Point above him. Yeah. I think a lot of people who don't follow advanced statistics uh, would probably put point below him still. And that's yeah, part of that's the reason. Fair. I think that's part of the reason he's so underrated. He's on such a good team. Like, you got Kudrow, Stamkos, Hedman on your team. It's hard to truly stand out. But yeah. And he also didn't have pedigree coming in. Yeah, that that as well. Uh, I think Giordano's an K1. I love Spurgeon being there. Yeah. Um, I'm Who's not going to put him as the most. I'd probably say point. Yeah? You'd uh, go there? Yeah. Uh, so they have Barkov, Backstrom. Point, Spurgeon, Giordano, Barkov 26, Backstrom 8.8, Spurgeon 6, Giordano 5%. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Okay, who would you pick as the most? Um, Some combination of Dadanov, Gallagher, and Spurgeon, I think. Dadanov's a really good one. Gallagher, I think, I feel like people don't realize just how good Gallagher is. I have Gallagher in my stats as a top 30 forward, like, every year. Yeah. And, and I don't think anyone thinks Most people just think he's a good him. top six pest guy, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. But, like, he's a legitimate, like, play-driving beast. Yeah. Uh, next question is, who's the most overrated player in the NHL? I don't agree with a lot of these answers. So, who do you think is the most overrated? There's two ways you could take this. There's the star that uh, is said to be a star but is also overrated. But there's also then the really bad player who's just even worse than we think. And yeah. there was a couple different ways people answered this. Um, who would you have as the most overrated? Um, Do one star and one person who's just really bad but people seem to think they're good. Most overrated star? Patrick Kane? Yeah, that's a, I didn't even think about that. Pat, one of Patrick Kane or Drew Doughty? I was going to say Drew Doughty. One of those two. Yeah. They're both in the very elusive, like, above $10 million cap hit club, and I don't think. Well, I mean, and especially with the year Patrick Kane's having put up all the goals, but he's so horrid defensively. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, trying to get into debate about someone who doesn't follow stats about Patrick Kane is just, it's not even worth it because you know no one's going to concede the other's argument. Well, you know, like, Patrick Kane's the most perfect example of literally all anyone cares about his points. Oh, yeah. Um, like, Yeah. Yeah, like... Like, p- people who argue against war models, and, like, but without them, like, people literally just use points as a... Or points per game, as we saw yeah. last night when the Kedazites... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, like, 
points is just the general consensus popular uh, proxy for a war model. And yeah. that is a very flawed way of looking at it, of course. Yeah. Kane and Doughty, that's good. For bad players who are bad, I don't like I think Chris Russell would probably be my vote. Yeah. Because there still is a very large portion of the population who think he is good. I mean, even with guys like Goodbranson, like there's not too many people who legitimately think Goodbranson's a good second pair guy. Other yeah, that's than fair. Pittsburgh management, apparently. But, you know, like, even fans, like, even the Watch the Games fans, they're like, yeah, he's good in terms of being tough, but they would not say he's a top-four guy, whereas I feel like people in Edmonton still think that Chris Russell is a fourth defenseman. Yeah, they hype him up that way. Mine, I think, actually overrated for bad players, Vlad Sabodka. Not, yeah. He came over for Ryan O'Reilly, and he was part of going to shore up the Sabres' death, depth, and he's just been horrible this year. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'm trying to think of just other... There's so many just man or bad fourth-liners that... It's also tough with overrated and underrated, because like we said, like, it's if tough. we go on Twitter and was like, if you tweeted or I tweeted Braden Point is much worse than Mitch Marner, we would get ripped apart. But then if you say that in like a more general setting, most people would probably agree with you. For sure. So it's hard to kind of tell overrated and underrated. So their thing here is P.K. Subban at 23%, um, Patrick Laine at 9 Ekblad at 6 Fanuff at 4 and Carlson at 4 To me, this kind of signals is guys they just don't like playing against. Yeah. Uh, My hot take, though, I actually agree with the first three. Yeah. Not like most, I, not most overrated. Not even close to most overrated for Subban. I definitely think Ekblad is. Yeah, I love the Ekblad pick. Um, I understand why players would vote Line A because Line A is horrific at so many things. Yeah, and I mean when he's not again recency bias when he's not actually doing the goal scoring. Yeah, that it's definitely pretty happens. easy to say. Yeah, Line A, Subban. Yeah, like it's weird. Micro stats love PK Subban. Yeah. Like, he's, the one thing Berkshire's talked about, though, is he's starting to dump the puck out a lot. Yeah, well, and he, oh, yeah, that's one of Subban's biggest problems is he uh, he bangs the puck off the glass. And, yeah, that's and he like, never used to. Well, no, he used to. Well, he did ever, ever since he's been in Nashville, he has. Yeah. Which is and his last year yeah, in Montreal, I think he did. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, that's Subban's biggest okay, problem. So Subban is the blank best defenseman on Nashville. Third, second, I don't know. Yeah, I'd so, have to second or third. Probably. I'd go four, honestly. Like, I still, he's obviously Nashville's top four is so good. He can both be four and a number one defenseman at the same time. But, like, yeah. I actually think he is a little overrated. Not the most overrated. He should have so not won this poll, but. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Roman Yossi's probably still a little overrated as well. I think so. He got a lot of hype last year, too. Yeah, he did. My mom really liked Yossi last year, though. Subban just takes so many penalties. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Carlson on this list, uh, as I think anyone who knows me can guess, I really hated it. And then I heard, uh, again, I I heard the take today that the most overrated player in the NHL might be Eric Carlson, and that has to be one of the worst takes I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah. That is such a god. That, it, that kind of take comes from not, I'm not saying you have to watch, I don't watch many Sharks games. I think I've seen six or seven this year. Look, just look at some stats before you say something like that. Well, he was such a classic, like, at the start of the year, guy who has, like, a 60% Corsi, but, like, a .9 PDO, and everyone's like, you're not watching the games, he's actually been bad, and then the PDO starts coming back to Earth, and guess who goes on a massive point streak? Yeah, like, yeah, it's just, 
people who say Carlson's overrated are the people who watch one highlight of him getting burned, which, yes, does happen, and, yes, is a flaw in the game, but goes, oh, yeah, see, he's bad defensively. They don't bother seeing the other stuff that he does. Like, I got the privilege of watching Carlson for, I don't know, like eight, nine years in Ottawa, and, and um, closely for three. Like, I mean, I watched when I was younger, but I didn't really watch, you know? Like, well, you, there's a there's a difference, right? But like, like watching and then like intelligently watching. Yes, the, the past two or three years, I really got to watch him. And it's just so amazing everything he can do in all ends of the ice. You know, transitional, using his stick to knock down pucks on two-on-ones and stuff like that is so amazing. And he's just how, he doesn't need to check people. He's so good using his stick to get the puck away. It just, it blows my mind. People still call him overrated. Yeah. I've already put out there, I can't wait for Martin Jones to not make a single save in the playoffs. And Carlson to somehow get blamed for it. Oh, yeah. Like, I guess... So I have Carlson taking a step back this year. Last night I ran my model. I have him as the second best defenseman <laughs> of the league this year. Yikes. Which is a uncharted territory for him. Yeah, I mean... It's not a surprise that he would be taking a step back in relative sense to what he is. But again, like, he's still elite. And <laughs> I Like I said, I have number two. Yeah, like... and I mean, that shouldn't surprise anyone at 28 years old or whatever versus 23... But, uh, man, I just don't know how you look at anything he's done in terms of his, like, underlying numbers and just go, yeah, overrated. Yeah, I don't know. Like, And the other angle, so the comment was, one of the comments was, I don't think anyone is overrated. I just, but there sure are some players overpaid. That was what one of the players said. So in that sense, I kind of get the argument for Subban, but, like, Carlson's on a great contract, too. Yeah, I mean, Ekblad and Fanoff as well on that one. Yep. Like... Yeah, as much as uh, a lot of people really liked what the computer boys did when they had somewhat of an autonomy in Florida, that was definitely the one thing you can point to that they did. And that's one of the people that the the mainstream loves. Like, people think that's a fine contract. Yeah. Like, that's like... That's probably one of the biggest misses they had. Yeah, there might be more, but that's the only thing I could think of to point to that they did that I disagree with. On ice, for sure. Other than, like, like, I know they did some personal stuff where they fired long-time scouts and stuff, and yeah, like... I don't know, I guess I could see how that pushes people the wrong way, but whatever. I don't really know about that. But. Yeah. Um, there's some coach stuff here. Let's go through this really quick. I don't, again, I don't have much to say on most coaches. Which coach, aside from your own, would you want to play most for? Do you have an option for this? Um, no. They the, they voted John Cooper and Jared Gallant. I have a hard time arguing with that. Yeah, Barry Trott seems like a good coach, uh, coach too. Paul Maurice. John Tortorello is at 6%. Uh Tortorello was in both of these. So the next one was, which coach aside from your own would you not want to play for? Tortorello led that with 30%. And then you have Hitchcock, 27, Babcock, 15, Carlisle, 11, and Boucher, 3. It made me laugh pretty hard that Carlisle was below Babcock. Yeah, there are a lot of people who just don't like Babcock. Yeah, people really hate Babcock. Um, Some people do anyways. Yeah, is it Mike Commodore that hates him? Yeah, yeah. a lot of... Older guys take he can be pretty ruthless, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if that's yeah. Like, I'm not not all these. Well, I guess most of these guys are actually not very good coaches. But John Tortorella is a very interesting one in the fact that he's not the worst, but he's not very good either. Like, he can he's off and on. I find. Yeah. So one of the things I th- I think this I think it's general consensus among nerds. I assume you think this too. But like, coaching only tends to matter on the extremes. Yeah, and I don't really think John Tortorella is on either extreme. No, I don't think so either. I think the the one problem I do with have with him is, um, I, I'm not all about the 
you know, intangibles and stuff. I don't think calling your players publicly out to the media without saying anything to them is appropriate. I know I would hate that. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't I don't think that's at all the best way to approach anything uh, like that. I, that's one big problem I have with him. And, you know, same with even, even just the Panarin thing, saying he's shitting himself or whatever. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you don't need to say that. Just say he's sick. Say, no, it doesn't have anything to do with the rumors. He is legitimately sick. But, like, come on. I don't know. That I wasn't problem. surprised to see him at the top of this list. Yeah, no, me either. Uh, most fun vi- uh, city to visit on the road. Can't say uh, the first two of these are uh, surprising at all. Uh, Vegas and Nashville. I'm surprised it wasn't Vegas by more. Nashville's a fun, seri- uh, fun city, though. That's I mean, true. Yeah. Uh, Chicago, Vancouver, New York are the other three that are on there. I mean... That's fair. Vancouver's a very nice city. New York is obviously New York. and yeah. Vancouver's a couple of people we know is like dream place to live. New York is freaking New York. And... Yeah. Chicago is a little surprised to be C3, but yeah. I've, not, d- I've never been to Chicago, so I don't, I don't really know. I've only been to New York of cities on that list. So what is yeah, the worst city to visit on the road? Um, four of these have a very similar trend in that they are very cold. Yep. Winnipeg, 38%. I mean, that's always kind of a running joke, too. Yeah. Buffalo, 15. Ottawa, 12. Edmonton, 8. And Carolina five, yep. Um, not really shocked, but at Carolina, Carolina maybe. But I don't, is there anything to do in like again? I've never been to most of these cities, so I don't know. Yeah, I've been to Buffalo, Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal. Yeah, I've been to that. I've been to New York, I guess too. But oh, I haven't even done that. Say so I, I max out my knowledge there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Which team has the best fans? Golden Knights, Canadians, Predators, Jets, Blackhawks. I don't disagree with this really i mean golden knights i think some recency buys but at the same time like look at how that city's embraced an nhl team so yeah it's cool to see how quickly the golden knights have become like one of the higher attendance rate and stuff teams in the league go to the bell center on a saturday night i could see how people think that Mm -hmm. um number two predators fans are absolutely wild i'm surprised they're not a little higher i think everyone loves everything about nashville so (laughs) yeah uh winnipeg fans same thing like the whiteout super cool yeah and uh blackhawks fans uh (laughs) <laughs> asked that a decade ago and people were like what are you talking yeah. about but yeah no I mean I mean it's easy to have good fans when you won three cups asked but... that a decade ago the Jets and Knights don't exist <laughs> and people are really confused as to why the Blackhawks are on here too yeah but yeah I, I don't have a thing yeah. of that <laughs> worst NHL fans so uh, four of these are just fans that don't show up Panthers yeah. Coyotes Hurricanes Panthers by a wide margin they're at 48% Coyotes 18, Hurricanes 12, Flyers 6. So the Flyers is just because you know they're dicks and they yeah, don't like them. People, it's like a running joke, yeah. And Islanders 3. So you got the four of the worst 16 or five teams in attendance there, and then the Flyers. Um, I don't, don't really... I hate making generalizations about fans, so yeah, I'm not I mean, really surprised well, that yeah, they just picked and them. And the thing about Panthers fans, I know a couple diehard Panthers fans over you know Twitter and stuff. There's just not enough of them, Yeah, which is the issue. And like I said, with us being Leafs versus Sens fans, like that has nothing yeah. to do with them. They no, can't change no, that. exactly. It's yeah. not their fault that the NHL put a market in a very questionable spot. Like, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, should the NHL's current playoff format be changed? I'm assuming we're both yes on this. I just oh, like to see a, a one and eight. I do think people complain about it too much. I see so many things where it's just like. Like, I saw people complaining about the West or about Montreal, how they're fighting for their playoff lives despite having 77 points. It's like. Okay, but if we go one versus eight, you're still just one spot up and still the same in terms of fighting for your playoff lives. Like you're still only two points up on a playoff spot. Yeah. And the one thing I am kind of sympathetic for is somebody pointed out how good the Atlantic is 
in the um, east and how good this not the central the what's it Pacific. called Pacific is in the west and they're like see the divisions suck there they need to be changed or whatever it's like we're like two years removed from the Metropolitan being the best division in the league and the Central being the deepest and those needing to be changed. So yeah. Like, I'm a, I think they should change the format, but... One versus eight, I think, makes the most sense. Yeah, or even like, one, two, and then, you know, three through eight, but... Yeah, one versus eight, and then accept that the divisions are going to be unequal sometimes. Yeah, like, I just... I, I feel like people... Like, you're going to have to play these teams no matter what. Yeah. I mean, as a fan of someone who's not cheering for one of these teams because my team's long gone out of the playoffs... I mean, it's more exciting for me because not everyone's injured to shit by the third round when the two good teams are playing in round two. Yeah. I mean, sure, like, I'm fine with, if, you know, if your argument is the best should play best, you should reward regular season. Yeah, one through eight, that's fine. I just think that people probably complain about it too much. And, I mean, 60-40 was, what, 60% yes, 40% no. That's way lower than I thought it was going to be. I agree. I, I thought I, it was going to be 80-20. But, I mean, maybe they're pulling people who are getting a benefit. Like, maybe they're pulling some Metro teams out of this. Well, that's the thing. This system... For everyone, it helps. It's or for everyone, it screws. It helps someone else. Yeah, right? exactly. So, so the vested interest or whatever probably. And it's not it like closer. it's screwing the same team over and over again, as you just said. The conferences and the divisions change about who's good every few years. So. Yeah, like Tampa, Toronto was Pittsburgh, Washington two years ago. Right? Yep, and then in a couple of years, I'm sure it'll change to two different teams or yeah. whatever. Right? Like, yeah, I don't know. One versus eight, I think, obviously makes sense, but yeah. I, I do feel like people complain about it too much. Should the NHL players go to the Olympics? 99% yes, 1% no. I'm really surprised one The one no. person who said no said you can't just take three weeks off. Eh. Narrator. You know one what? One can. <laughs> I don't... Yeah, no, it's not the worst argument, no, I, I guess. I definitely... There are legitimate arguments as to why the NHL should go to the Olympics. They get no money. They're not even allowed to brand or like put their logo on stuff or promote it or anything like that. And it risks their players getting hurt. Um... And, but people always say, well, yeah, it's the biggest thing in hockey, though. It's like, okay, but you always say you want it. Like, how, how do you think soccer made the World Cup so big? It wasn't by going to the Olympics every year. Their, their Olympics are only U22 now. Yeah, it's because they just that. stuck with the World Cup. And, I mean, that's why I think uh, hockey needs to be better. And hockey needs the problem is hockey needs to grow their game. I think that's the problem is hockey needs to grow the game and people for fair reasons, don't have faith in the NHL doing No, and I mean, and the Olympics will help hockey grow said game. So, like, yeah. I don't know. There's arguments for and against, but, yeah. Not, not, I'm not surprised to see the players say 99% because even, you know, only, like, I don't know, what, 5 10% of players go to the Olympics, if that. What kind of an employee doesn't want three weeks off? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That? That's the thing. I mean, maybe it's someone who just finds that they can't get in the groove after taking three full weeks off, which maybe. Yeah, fair enough. But, like, yeah, I don't know. That's the thing, because even the people who don't want to go to the Olympics, or who aren't going to the Olympics, don't, uh, they, they want the time off. You know, they want a vacation mid-season. Their body's probably hurting. So, yeah, I don't know. That's all, that's all I have. I don't yeah. know. You got anything else? I don't think so. Oh, yeah, it was a cool article. It was I a cool article. It. I like that a lot. Um, I like that the, they actually asked some legitimate questions, not mm-hmm. just... Uh, yeah, like the fact that they were willing to ask the most overrated player. Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. That was fun. Uh, that's all we got for the week, guys. Uh, if you have any questions or anything you want us to answer, just shoot us a message at NHL Sends and Stuff or at CMHockey66 on Twitter. Uh, you can find my work at lastwordonhockey.com. I will probably have something out this week. I'm not really sure, though. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week.